If there's anything that we know about the New Orleans Saints, it's that we should never sleep on one, an Ohio State Buckeye, and two, an undrafted free agent defensive tackle. Let me introduce you to the guy that checks both of those boxes, Jerron Cage. We got all that and a little bit of Lanyap for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into a live episode of Locked On Saints, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much, as always, making Locked On Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, you could subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. We can always continue the conversation one-on-one by heading over to joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Saints. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson. Nola on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the media. You can find me over at Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation site covering the New Orleans Saints, Saints News Network, Tuesdays on Locked on NFL, and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. And on today's episode of Locked on Saints, we are live and hanging out, kicking it with the Locked on Saints crew out here. You hear that, Tampa? I'm using the phrase crew. What are you going to do about it? Nothing, nerds. So when I look at what we're going to run through today, we're going to be focusing mostly on the defensive line. We're going to take a look at whether or not New Orleans is done on the D-line. I'm going to explain that little tirade that I just went on about the word crew. We'll also take a look at who's going to be the next New Orleans Saint with 10 or more sacks that's not named Cam Jordan. But first, I want to start off by introducing you to Jerron Cage, a 6'2", 310-pound defensive tackle that... Didn't get a lot of action during his time with the Ohio State Buckeyes, at least starting action. He did get a lot of experience, though. He's played, I think it was around 52 games or so during his time. Might have actually been in the 40s. But he only started like five games his senior season. So why is this a guy that we're starting to get excited about and that we're dedicating time to? Well, he's simply just one of those guys that could be a lot better at the NFL level than he was at the collegiate level when he gets opportunity. Remember, he was a part of that Ohio State Buckeyes defensive line that had a lot of talent on the line, but didn't rotate a ton. Here in New Orleans, everybody gets to play. Everybody gets opportunities out here. So that's the way that I look at Jerron Cage and how he could potentially find his way to the field uh, his rookie season, even as an undrafted free agent, if he makes the roster. And of course, if he makes it through the practice squad as well, that would also be a direct line for him to get out onto the uh, field, especially as a guy that could be a game day elevation, all these other things. So what is it that makes me feel pretty confident about Jerron Cage? Well, he's disruptive in the middle. Um, He's somebody that hasn't put together a ton of sacks throughout his career or anything like that, but has certainly been a disruptive player in the run game. His big stocky build is matched a little bit by the athleticism and the explosiveness that he can show. And he's just a straight up culture guy. Find Find a photo of this guy not smiling somewhere. Hard to find. Find a photo of this guy not looking like he's having a blast. Hard to find. Ryan Day spoke about him, particularly toward the end of the season, his senior year, and about how much he had been working to get to the point where he was out on the field and making plays. And it all kind of came around for him back in 2021 in December when he scooped up a fumble and was able to run it back 50 plus yards for a touchdown. Now, What did he go on to do with that? Well, the first thing that he did was that he credited two edge rushers that collapsed the pocket and forced the fumble on the Penn State quarterback, not himself picking up the ball and running down the field. Remember what the New Orleans Saints have always talked about, not only in the draft class, 
But when it comes to undrafted free agency, A, they want a guy that's going to be able to fit their mold on the field. Jerron Cage, six foot two, 300 plus pounds, absolutely fits the mold in terms of what the New Orleans Saints are looking for on the interior. By the way, they've got openings there. You've got probably a solid four guys that are going to be the the, the the deepest in terms of your rotation when it comes to now Brian Brzee, who was drafted in the first round, Nathan Shepard and Colin Saunders, who were added in free agency this offseason, and then, of course, the return of Malcolm Roach. So you could imagine that in there somewhere are your two starters and your two major rotational players. But if the Saints want to keep somebody on the practice squad to be able to elevate on game days and be able to kind of cycle in as somebody that they use, let's say week one, when you know you're going to go up against a rush-heavy attack, with the tandem of Derek Carr and former Tulane star and nearly New Orleans Saint Tajay Spears, uh, or well, could have been a New Orleans Saint Tajay Spears who could be looking for a revenge game week one, there's an opportunity there for the Saints to be able to help bolster their rotation on the defensive interior with a guy that has shown that he can be impactful as a run stopper and who can make a splash play here and there. One of the other things that I really love about this guy is that, look, he um, he sits there, he returns that that score for a touchdown and his son, I think was a year and a half at the time, Jerron Jr. was in the shoe at that time. And so all the fans are going nuts and everything. And Jerron Jr., his son, sleeps right through it, sleeps right through it, does not wake up, does not blink at his dad's kind of biggest moment, right? The scoop and score for a touchdown. And the first thing that Jerron Cage does when he talks about his son is that he talks about how happy he was that he was there and then remembered himself. Oh, yeah, I used to sleep through stuff when I was younger, too. And went on to say his parents lived through him and he feels that it's only a matter of time before he starts living through his son. What a cool dude. I mean, just what an outstanding guy. So the other piece of it all in terms of where the Saints tend to look at how they can find those undrafted free agents are guys that fit needs, guys that have a direct path to the roster one way or another. And also they look for the guys that are the culture guys that are going to fit in the locker room. It's very clear that Jerron Cage is one of those dudes that's going to fit in in the locker room. Now, will he stay healthy throughout the offseason? Will he make himself and his presence known throughout training camp? All of that remains to be seen. But Jerron Cage is absolutely one that should not be slept on and might be a little bit underrated when it comes to what the New Orleans Saints would be able to do with him as a rotational piece to continue to support their defensive line, which still has some stuff for them to take care of, by the way. So I don't think that they're done yet there either. Uh, I think I might have said Derrick Henry, and I might have said something else. I meant Derrick Henry and Tajay Spears. Maybe I said something different. Folks in the uh, folks in the chat are pointing out that I said something different. So sorry about that. Um, so Jerron Cage, um, again, a, a guy that throughout his collegiate time didn't get a ton of opportunities uh, and didn't get a ton of run during his time there. Uh, but he did see uh, a lot of action, despite the fact that he didn't get a lot of starts. I mentioned 52 games started my I mean, 52 games played with the Buckeyes. My apologies. It's 42 games. And that was between nine, uh, 2018 as well as 2022. So he spent five seasons there, only got five starts, which included three of them his final year as a senior. So that's kind of what you saw from him. Didn't get a lot of opportunities, wasn't out on the field a lot, but did show you a little bit in terms of what he was out there doing. Remember, it was 42 games. He had 33 total tackles during that time, ended up with uh, eight tackles for a loss, totaling 26 yards loss, and then three sacks on the quarterback during that time as well. So really, it's been mostly about what he's been able to do as a presence on the interior in the run game more than it has been him as a penetrating three-tech. But I think that's fine. You have the pass rushers now in Nathan Shepard, as well as Brian Brzee, 
getting another guy that could come in and kind of help you be stout against the run, which is where the Saints defense was very weak last year, can absolutely be a benefit for you, particularly early on in the season when you're going up against those run-heavy attacks. So let's not sleep on Jerron Cage. Let's make sure that we keep an eye on him all throughout OTAs and, of course, through training camp as well. Coming up next, Jerron Cage, very likely, very unlikely to be this guy, but who will be the next Saint not named Cam Jordan to have 10-plus sacks? Believe it or not, there's already somebody on the roster who was on pace to reach that mark toward the end of last season. I'll tell you who and who I think will be the guy. Coming up next as we continue on, on today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. Don't worry about all those other protein bars. None of them matter. Built Bar is the one protein bar that you need to know about. Fantastic flavors like mint chocolate brownie. Uh, you've got peanut butter brownie. You've got salted caramel, cookies and cream, so much stuff, all covered in 100% chocolate but only 130 calories, only four or five grams of sugar while you're still getting 17, 18 grams of protein. So everything you need out of that protein bar without any of the mess that you don't need. So you can go check them out today at built.com. You can head over to Walmart, pharmacy section, four bar box of some great flavors, or you can head over to Sam's Club, 13 bar box of churro puff, as well as brownie batter puff as well. Awesome flavors, awesome protein bars for you to check out, built.com. You can thank me later. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. I think I know who the next New Orleans Saint to have 10 or more sacks in a season will be outside of Cam Jordan. We, we know Cam Jordan always has that potential. In fact, at this point in his career, more times he does more times than he doesn't. But what if we're talking about defensive players not named Cameron Jordan that could potentially reach that double digit sack mark? The last player to get close, well, that's, I was going to say the last player to get close was Cade Dallas, which is true-ish because that was last season. He had seven sacks. The closest player here recently was actually Marcus Davenport. Remember, Marcus Davenport had a nine-sack season two seasons ago, hence why the half-a-sack season in 2022 was so much of a disappointment. But the last player to do it, to reach 10 or more sacks, not named Cam Jordan, aside from Cam Jordan was, of course, Trey Hendrickson just a few years ago, 13 and a half sacks before he walked and went inside with the Cincinnati Bengals. Before that, in terms of the frame of time in which Cam Jordan was Cam Jordan, Junior Gallette in a couple of seasons was that guy, Will Smith before that. So when you look at where the Saints are, and I don't know if you knew this or not, but not too long ago, Roman Harper had a seven and a half sack season. Roman Harper. And if you're thinking, oh, that must have been during the 2014, 2015, 2016 stretch where the Saints defense was struggling a whole lot. Yeah, you're right. So the next thing that you're looking at is, okay, who's going to be the next person? And who could be the next guy that's not named Cam Jordan, right? Cam Jordan's on his way to the Hall of Fame. We know that already. Fantastic numbers. Seven and a half sacks every single season since 2011. Nobody's doing it like Cam Jordan's doing it, except for maybe Yannick Ngakwe. But Yannick Ngakwe is not on the, not on the roster right now. So when I think about who can be the person on the roster that can do that, that's not named Cam Jordan, the first name that pops into mind, obviously, is Isaiah Foskey. Second round selection, there's a lot of hype around him right now. His final two seasons at Notre Dame, he had 10 plus sacks. So the idea of him being able to maintain that momentum coming into the NFL feels safe, but probably not realistic. And that's not against Isaiah Foskey. It's just that he's going to be on a rotation on that right side. And whoever's rotating with Cam is seeing an additional 30% of snaps or so, 25, right? 
So while Cam over on the left side is getting a whole bunch of reps, over on the other side, you're seeing a lot of guys rotate around. So is Isaiah Foskey going to be the starter opposite Cam Jordan in 2023? Because he would need to be in order to be the guy that's going to maybe get enough snaps to be that 10 plus sack player. But what if he doesn't? Then who would be that player? Could it be Peyton Turner? Could Peyton Turner turn the corner his third year, much like Trey Hendrickson turned his corner his fourth year? Maybe. But I'll tell you who I'm betting on. It's Carl Granderson. That's kind of who I'm betting on at this point. And I'll tell you why. And it's very, very simple. I'm playing off of recency bias here. I'm playing off the what have you done for me lately-ness of the NFL. Carl Granderson, in the last four games of the 2022 NFL season, had three sacks. That is an average of a quarter sack per game. If you take that quarter sack per game and multiply that over the course of 17 games, that is 12 and three quarters of a sack. Now, obviously, you can't have 12 and three quarters of a sack, so we'll call it either 12 and a half or 13 sacks. So for me, if Carl Granderson can start the season or at some point early on in the first quarter of the season, get back to the production level that he had going into or coming out of the 2022 season as it wrapped up when he was straight up stealing starts from Marcus Davenport, stealing starts, stealing snaps, then he actually could be, oh boy, my voice cracked. I don't go up that high. He could end up being the first non-Cam Jordan defensive player since Trey Hendrickson to have double-digit sacks. And I saw a whole bunch of people in the chat just now say, Carl Granderson, Carl Granderson, Carl Granderson, Carl Granderson. So I know y'all see me, but I'll tell you what, I'm not ready to close the book entirely on Peyton Turner either. I'm not saying Peyton Turner is going to have 10 more, 10 plus sacks in 2022 or 2023. But I'll tell you what, man, like, look, if, if Trey Hendrickson, who had like 32 inch arms and did not have the athletic and physical tools of a Peyton Turner could turn the corner at one point opposite Cam Jordan, maybe Peyton Turner can too. Remember the, the issue with Peyton Turner is not that he's not productive when he's out on the field. He is productive. The issue is that he can't stay on the field and that he's dealing with health concerns, shape, things like that. But if he stays healthy and he gets out on the field, then maybe he'll have those opportunities. But I'll tell you what, the one player you're not asking that question about right now is Carl Granderson. Carl Granderson is the one player that doesn't have the, who will he be at the NFL level, question mark, that Isaiah Foskey naturally comes into the NFL with because he's a rookie and every rookie carries that question, right? So Carl Granderson comes in without all the rookie question marks. And Carl Granderson comes in having outperformed two guys, one, two guys that were drafted in the first round since he came in as an undrafted free agent, Marcus Davenport and Peyton Turner. So I think right now you have to kind of look at Carl Granderson as maybe being the most likely, just based on production that we've already seen, most likely to reach that mark next. But maybe Isaiah Foskey is the guy who has the most successful long-term outlook in terms of reading, reaching that milestone more often throughout his career. I think maybe that's the way that I would like to look at it. Maybe Carl Granderson will be next, but perhaps Isaiah Foskey is the next one to do it the most. And maybe somewhere in there, Peyton Turner surprises, whether it be this year or his last year. I can tell you right now, highly unlikely that Peyton Turner's fifth-year option gets picked up after next year. Highly unlikely just based upon injuries, based upon availability, all that other stuff. I do look like Thierry Henry. 
Sorry, somebody in the chat said it. I do. I also look like the, uh, and this might actually be the same guy, but the MMA fighter that they call Mighty Mouse, except he's got those boxer's ears, those mangled ears. But yeah, I look like, I look like a lot of people. Um, so I think Carl Granderson can be the next one, but maybe Isaiah Foskey is the next most likely one, right? Or, or, or the one to do it that much. So I really, really, really like it. And, and look, I, I see it right here. Nathaniel Lyon says it. Dude is actually pretty, I'm going to say darn good when he's healthy. Peyton Turner. We've seen it, right? We've seen the, the multi-sack game. We've seen the disruptive Panthers game he had his rookie year. We saw the blocked field goal to open up the season against the Atlanta Falcons to help win that game in that big time fourth quarter comeback. We've seen all of it from, uh, from Peyton Turner. Now we just want to see him stay out on the field. That's the biggest thing. So if he ends up staying on the field for 17 games and gets rotated in a quite a bit, then maybe we're looking at him as maybe pushing seven, eight, nine, ten 10 sacks. Maybe Isaiah Foskey's pushing five, six, seven snaps, sacks. I'm just kind of going low on Isaiah Foskey just because rookie, you got to figure out where he fits in, how often he can rotate in early in the season. He's going to have a little bit of a, a, a ramp up throughout the season. But other than that, Carl Granderson feels like the most likely one for me. So if I'm putting my money on somebody to have 10 plus sacks this year, not named Cam Jordan, I'm putting down a, a, a smooth Abe Lincoln. I don't really be betting. Can you tell? Smooth Abe Lincoln. Little $5 bet on Carl Granderson for the season. All right, coming up next, what's left for the New Orleans Saints when it comes to the defensive line? Are there other players they could add? Where should they go? Where do they come from? We'll get to all that as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints. Let's get it, Huda Nation. Wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints. Demetrius Johnson, Mighty Mouse. Somebody got it for me. That's the other dude that I look like. Welcome in, everybody, as we continue on to wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints. We're having fun. It's the end of the week. We're chilling. We're chilling. I, on Monday, will be back with a morning episode as well as an evening episode. We'll be back to all of it. Two-a-days, all that stuff. I don't plan on stopping two-a-days anytime soon. I'm having too good a time with everybody. We've had a great time. So don't expect this to slow down. Um, it might slow down in kind of that little break between OTAs and training camp, just to let me like get a little bit of rest before we get to training camp and all that other stuff. But you know, the two days are there. So we'll continue all that going through. Uh, on Monday, we'll pick up with all the big things you need to know around the New Orleans Saints. But the biggest sort of focus that we'll be looking at is what are we looking forward to on Tuesday with OTAs? We'll start with the offensive side and then Tuesday morning, we'll look at the defensive side. So we talked about Jerron Cage earlier. We talked about the players not named Cam Jordan that could potentially have 10 or more sacks in 2023 or beyond. But what about the work that the Saints have done on the defensive line so far? What would we grade that? And then what could still be done? Because I put this question out on Twitter about who will be the next non-Cam Jordan player you know, for the New Orleans Saints that uh, I appreciate y'all. I love doing the two days too. Um, that will be the next like non-Cam Jordan play Saint to make the, you know, to have 10 or more sacks. And, and some people started saying name, and I was hoping that people would do this. Some people started saying names of players that aren't even on the Saints roster so far. We saw a little bit of people, we saw some people vouching for um, uh, Peyton Turner. We saw a lot of people mention um, Carl Granderson. And we all saw some folks mentioning names like Chase Young, currently Washington commander. But of course, there's a lot of potential trade rumors around that, particularly post-June 1. Um, a lot of people also mentioned Yannick Ngakwe, still currently unsigned. Frank Clark, still currently unsigned. And look, if any of those three players signs with the New Orleans Saints, they are my new favorite non-Cam Jordan player to reach 10 plus sacks. 
right? Like that makes sense, doesn't it? Especially if it's Frank Clark or Chase Young. I'm not the biggest believer in Chase Young. I wasn't when he was coming out of college either. As much a fan as I am of like the Ohio State Buckeyes and all that. Don't get it twisted. LSU Tigers first. But but you know, I love me some Buckeyes. Love me some Ohio State football. Um, I like what everybody's doing here. Put your grade in terms of what you would give the New Orleans Saints, specifically in terms of what they've done on the defensive line in the chat for me. And if you're watching or listening later, think about it. Think about it. Or comment or, or, or hit me up. Uh, but go ahead and drop your, drop your grades for the defensive line only. Defensive line in terms of what the New Orleans Saints have done so far in the chat. Um, as y'all are doing that, if one of those other guys gets added, I think that it quickly becomes at least, a, it, it'll probably raise a letter grade from wherever you're at, right? If you say that they've had a C so far, but then they add Frank Clark, maybe that jumps you to an A, maybe it jumps you to a B. Uh, but it'll at least jump you a letter grade. I think that's fair to say. Chase Young, Yannick Ngakwe, any of those guys. Maybe Yannick Ngakwe is like a half letter grade or something like that. Like if you're in the B plus area, Yannick Ngakwe kicks you in the A. I don't mean he kicks you in the A. I mean, he kicks you to an A grade. My apologies. <laughs> uh, but that would be the hope is that you get Yannick Ngakwe and then, you know, he's able to help make the team better, pile on more sacks, all that. This is a guy who has had at least eight sacks every single season he's played so far in his career. So I would give the Saints so far in terms of what they've done on the offensive line, what they've added, what they've added, considering what they lost, not that they lost players, but considering what they lost, I would give them a B in terms of what they've done so far. So if I'm not taking away points for what they lost, because those players made decisions to go out and sign elsewhere, it's not like the Saints said, ah, we don't want David on Yamato. We don't want, you know, Shy Tuttle or whatever. The Saints wanted to keep those guys. Mickey Loomis told us so at the, you know, Saints Hall of Fame golf classic. He made it very apparent that those guys made the decision that they made, but they wanted to keep them. It's a kitchen in the eggs. I think uh, if you look at where They've added, though, I mean, getting Colin Saunders, who is this disruptive run stopper, but that has really good feet, that's really aggressive, super good culture guy, a lot of NFL experience, Super Bowl winning experience as well, by the way. So him being able to come through and add to your team, that's great. You getting a guy like Nathan Shepard, who's this highly athletic, kind of David Onyemata-ish attacker as a three-tech pass rusher with a top 10 pass rush win rate in the interior in 2022. That's a great ad. Keeping Malcolm Roach, good thing. Now adding, you know, a player like Brian Brzee in the draft and addressing that position right off the top of the, right off the top of the, um, right off the top of the draft, I give him a B. I give him a solid B for what they've done on the defensive line so far. But I think it can get to an A. If you add, let's say, a veteran edge rusher or another veteran defensive tackle or one of these other Younger defensive tackles that we're not talking about, like a Jerron Cage that we just spoke about earlier. I guess I can't say I didn't talk about him, right? Because we definitely just did. Uh, but Jack Heflin, who came in from the XFL, if he becomes a big time run plugger, takes up some double teams for you, and then frees up the edge rushers like Carl Granderson to get 10 sacks in the season, then all right, great. You're off to a great start. But if they go the veteran route, I completely understand that. They could also go the veteran route on the edge. We've kind of teased around the ideas of. Uh, you know, Frank Clark, who I don't think is necessar necessarily the best culture fit for New Orleans, but productive, um, disruptive, uh, one of the best when he was at his prime and on his prime and all that other stuff. Then you get him opposite Cam Jordan. What could that be? Yannick Ngakwe, same, same curiosity. And Dominican Sue. Saints have been in love with Dominican Sue since Sean Payton took him to Commander's Palace and he chose to sign with the Los Angeles Rams instead. Stuff happens. Water under the bridge. 
So I think that when you look at where the Saints are, like there's still opportunity for them to continue to add to their defensive line or help to supplement their pass rush in other ways. So this brings us back to the conversation that we had earlier in the week. Can you feel me getting excited? This brings us back to the conversation we had earlier in the week that maybe the solve for the third linebacker is actually a third safety, a Jonathan Abram that can come down and play in the box and rush the passer and be a good run stopper for you and be a good enforcer and a good tackler for you, right? Like maybe that's a part of what the Saints do. They just go big nickel all day. So what if the linebackers are helping to supplement the pass rush, much like you saw last year with Caden Ellis, who had seven sacks. So maybe that's where a guy like Miles Jack has some veteran value on the market. I believe the Saints now have one roster spot open and they'll have more roster spots open because they still presently have three kickers on the roster. But I do think then no more vets. <laughs> All right, maybe you go with the younger guys. It's okay. It's okay. It could be a two-year vet. It doesn't have to be a 15-year vet, right? It could be a two-year veteran. Um, but I just mean players with NFL experience. And I think if you add that to this defensive line and you add these guys that are able to kind of help supplement from the second level or manufacture pressure in other ways, or even if you just get a guy in the middle of the defensive line that has such a big body that he just simply eats up double teams, that can still help your pass rush because that's going to set up those one-on-ones on the opposite side for Cam Jordan, Carl Granderson, Isaiah Foskey, Peyton Turner, and of course, maybe Tono Passanio bouncing out to that side as well, bouncing around, bouncing. Or one of those other guys that we've just talked about, Frank Clark, um, Yannick Ngakwe, all that. So there's a whole bunch of different ways for the Saints to continue to build out what they can do with their defensive line. I think they have done a solid job addressing where the defensive line was after the exodus, right? After David Onyemata, Shai Tuttle, all these other guys went elsewhere. I don't think, yeah, I, I, I want to, sorry, I want to give James Gordon a little bit of credit here. I, I don't know if Indomitian Sue is a Saints culture guy either. I think Indomitian Sue gets a bad rap because of his early stuff that he did with the Lions, but I don't know that he's necessarily that person anymore. Like now he's like a financial guru and helping guys around the NFL get their money together you know, get, get all their, their chickens in a row, all their ducks in a row, chickens in a row. What was it that Marshawn said? Something about like, say, worry, I don't know, Sean Payton, worry about your own meat. I don't know. But anyway, I, I do think that he's one of those guys that's maybe early career, not a good fit, later career, maybe a good fit. But I do, but I, I agree. I think that there are potentially better fits out there. And he's also 36 years old. Is that right? 36 years old. So like how much value can he really bring you as well? Just kind of threw his name in there. Not a big deal. So I'm just expressing that like there's a lot of veteran options that are all that are all about that. Um, so I, I think that New Orleans has done a solid job so far, and they're like one move away from maybe raising a letter grade, depending upon where you currently have them, to being a pretty dang good defensive line in 2023. And they can certainly use that because they dropped from top five over the past couple of years. Uh, you know, you've got uh, you know top five run defenses, and then all of a sudden they dropped to 24th last year. And as I've mentioned before, if they just get to the middle of the pack in the run game, they're golden as long as they remain elite in the passing game. But a big part of remaining elite in the passing game is being able to disrupt the passer, and maybe they'll be able to do that. Take care of your chickens or something like that, right? Like, I think that's what Marshawn Lynch, Marshawn Lynch said. All right, so that's our look at the Saints defensive line, Jerron Cage, who will be the next um, player, defensive player for the Saints with 10 plus sacks. Maybe Demario Davis deserves a little bit of recognition for what he does as a pass rusher as well, especially last year. He was remarkable as a pass rusher for the team, even though they rushed him a little bit later uh, or, or a little bit less than they usually do. Last thing that I want to mention, this is entirely off 
off the the topic of the defensive line, but I, I just wanted to call attention to this. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are currently engaging in legal action with the New Orleans Saints for the New Orleans Saints usage of the word crew, K-R-E-W-E, which is what they call their dance team, the Saints dance crew. Um, and I just want to go on record saying that that's just stupid, ridiculous. Like, come on, Tampa. Like, I get it. Like, Tom Brady went home and everybody's upset and everything. But like, back off. Like, crew, K-R-E-W-E, which is really what I should be calling Locked on Saints, the Locked on Saints audience. I should be calling calling everybody the Locked on Saints crew now that I think about it. But we'll figure, we, we've, we've got names. We've got, we've got names already. But like, come on. Uh, this is something that has so much history to the city of New Orleans, to the event of Mardi Gras, to all this other stuff. Why are we playing this game, Tampa? So I just really wanted to mention this and just kind of like go on record as saying that like, Tampa, this is sad and I'm sad for you. Locked on Saints crew, I appreciate y'all very much, as always, and all the everydayers out there for coming through. Don't let the Tampa Bay Buccaneers get back into relevancy. Let them soar off into irrelevancy where they belong with Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield. Hello. Let them bake. Let them bake. I appreciate Tampa is broke. Y'all are hilarious. I appreciate y'all so much for being here and making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day. Every day, don't forget, we can continue the conversation one-on-one over at joinsubtext.com slash Saints, where you can contribute to the show a little bit uh, and also get something in return because you can reach out to me anytime that you want. Lots of good stuff. Uh, remember that on Monday, we'll be back previewing the offensive side of the ball for OTAs. Tuesday morning, same thing. And then each day, we'll have our live shows in the evening as well, usually right around this time, 6, 15, 6, 30. Uh, make sure to come and check me out on Keeping It Real. Heading over there here in just a little bit to chop it up with the homies. So y'all can go ahead and come through there. Somebody's got the link. Go ahead and drop that in the chat as well. I appreciate y'all as always. Make me part of your day, part of your routine. Remember to join the conversation and keep it going over at joinsubtext.com slash locked on saints. Thank you as always for saying yes to me and the show. And if you see me, especially if you're out at Bayou Boogaloo, checking out uh, Juvenile tomorrow night, I'll be there. Make sure that you say hi. If you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson. N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation. I'll holla at you.